0: I wanted to just finish last week's message <laughs> um, because I really, I really think it's good. But in, in going back over it, I found a few new things. So I'll try not to go too long. But um, but I really really think there's a lot to be said uh, in, in what I really wanted to say last week. Um, but before we get into it, and I know I've said it before, but I never actually gave you guys the, the definition. So I decided to look it up. And, and what I think is really cool about the Holy Spirit is... The Holy Spirit was leading me to this truth before I ever studied it. And it sounds, you know, I'm not trying to be ignorant. It's not that I don't study. But there were details. Same thing with the heart, with the biological heart that I began to learn. The Holy Spirit was revealing things to me that I didn't fully understand. And then he began to explain them to me. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but it's been interesting to say the least. Well, even in the same way that I've begun to discover what love truly is in the genuine agape love, I looked up the agape love definition again. And I've read it before, but in, in very detail, it it sounds so much like what we've been saying in here. and It's just amazing. It blows my mind. So I want to read it again because we, we really can't understand unconditional love and godly love unless we know what he's talking about. We have to know what love is. And so love, agape love, um, the, the actual definition of the Greek, Greek is uh, agape is called out of one's heart. <laughs> I didn't make that up. Agape love is called out of one's heart by the By the preciousness of the object object loved, it is a love of esteem, of evaluation. It has the idea of prizing. It is the noblest word for love in the Greek language. Agape is not kindled by by the merit or worth of its object. Listen to this, but it originates in its in its own God-given nature. God is love. It delights in giving. This love keeps on loving even when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. It is unconditional love. This is what agape love is. Agape desires only the good for the one loved. It is a consuming passion for the well-being of others. This is agape love. This is the definition. Here's the key right here. There are only a few known occurrences of this word love outside of the Bible. In other words, this word was, was not used very often in extra-biblical writings, but it is used approximately 320 times in the New Testament. Why do you think that is? It didn't exist outside of God. This is why I say we, we can't love people until we receive that love because the love that we can give people is not this kind of love. There's three other loves, I don't want to get into all the other three. There's three other loves in, in the, the Greek, but this is the love that God gives us. This agape love is... Not just a fatherly love, but it's an unconditional love that goes beyond our own ability to love people in that way. So when, when, when the Bible talks about love in this way, it's not like I have an affection, like I love pizza or I love a car or I, I, I'm attracted to someone and I love them. It's not that kind of love. This is an unconditional love that right here says it keeps on loving even when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. It is absolutely unconditional. Now... I'll be the first one to raise my hand, but who in here needs that kind of love? Okay, who in here needs to love other people that way and can't do it on their own? (laughs) Right, this is what we need. Now, traditionally, I say traditionally, in the way that I was taught when I first began to go to church after uh, I was born again at the age of 20 was a very old covenant style of Christianity, which was... um, you're brand new, but you're not brand new. <laughs> you're, you're a filthy, dirty sinner, but you're saved by grace. So there was this dichotomy, this split personality that I, that I felt like I was living. and I, It was very difficult to me. It was one of the reasons when I found this church and I heard Mark speak, I was like, oh, he gets it. Finally, somebody gets it. Because there was, there was something deeper going on that I couldn't quite explain, but I knew wasn't right within the, the context of the theology that I heard in most of the churches that I went to. I'm not saying all churches are bad, but in my experience... There was there was a, a mix-up because it was a it was a split personality Christianity is what it was. You're sort of new, it, kind of like what I talk about. It was kind of finished, and so there was this struggle that I had where, and, and many of you may be able to relate to this, where you, uh, where you're trying to do good and then you mess up and then you feel like you take two steps back and then you're trying to work your way back up to a place and then you mess up again and you take four steps back and then you try to. So it's this cycle of messing up and going forward, messing up and going forward, not knowing who we are, where we're. Or, or, or there's this distant God that we've got to pray to, and and pray real hard so that my prayers get way far away to heaven to get there quickly, so God can help me and bless me. Um, and if if I've done something wrong, or there's something um, there's something in me that I haven't confessed, or there's something there's some barrier there, then it's going to take that much longer to get to Him. Has anybody ever felt that way, or, or heard that type of thinking, or uh, that that I. I haven't done these things, so he's not going to do these things, basically. It's a, I'll do this, you do that, which is very conditional. <laughs> but that's the way I lived my life for a long time. And I think many people do, and with a genuine heart, I wanted to please God. I wanted to do the right things and not do the wrong things. And, and those worked to an extent, but there was always this, this nagging or this tugging or this pulling that there was something bigger or deeper going on that I couldn't quite understand how it worked. And what I began to discover is when I took these things all the way to their end, I either needed to be a new creation or not a new creation. When I began to see scriptures like I was, I was dead to Christ and alive in sin, and now I'm alive in Christ and dead to sin. When, when these concrete statements began to pop out in scripture to me, I be, they, they, they awoke something in me, and the Holy Spirit began to brighten my eyes to them and go, wait a minute, am I or aren't I a new creation? Am I or aren't I righteous? Am I or aren't I a sinner? What am I? Basically, it was like an identity crisis, right? I don't know who I am. And so, as I wrestled and struggled through this, I began to see, and, and you guys know, our, our pastor Mark helped a lot of that through Kingdom Sonship and Grace, and, and discovering this this reality that that this Holy Spirit, even though we said it, we didn't really believe it that Christ was with us. Even though we said it, we th- we still had this idea. I think mainly because this 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 goal of of pushing the christian to get saved so that you can go to heaven one day was still in the back of our heads like heaven's far away and god's on his throne and jesus is in a little little throne next to him and the holy spirit's just here to nag us (laughs) to to wait for us to do something wrong so he can report back to jesus and or he can report back to god and god can get angry and then jesus can say wait wait, wait." (laughs) but that's what i mean has anybody ever thought kind of that whole process but the Holy Spirit's not any weaker than Jesus, and Jesus is any weaker than God. They're the triune, they're together. So when, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, he empowers this righteousness in our lives, and what we've been studying in the heart is we begin to live from that source, right? Now, here's the key. If we don't believe that that source is with us, then we're going to think there's this great distance between us and God, and we're never going to feel new. We're never going to feel righteous, and we're never going to, be, we're never going to find any peace on earth which would make sense for the old way of thinking that we need to just die and go to heaven. I mean, essentially. And that's what I came to the conclusion. I was like, okay, well, if our only goal is heaven when we die, then why don't we just die? <laughs> I mean, let's be real. If, if that's our only goal, if that's our purpose, if that's our, that's our drive, if that's what we want is, is just to go to heaven when we die, then what do we do now? What's our purpose now? Just to tell other people that they need to do something so that they can go to, so they can get their ticket to heaven. I think that I think it's more than that. I think there's got to be some reason why we're here. There's got to be some purpose. That's why I think Rick Warren's book was so popular, the purpose-driven life. We all want to know what our purpose is. What's our purpose? And so Romans 5:5 says and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. His love, get this, not our love, not an affection, His unconditional love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been, who who we've earned. (laughs) No. Who's been given to us. Free gift. He has given us His unconditional love right now. Like, right now. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. That's all you can do with a gift is say thank you. Receive it and say thank you. But here's, Here's what we find ourselves, and, and what, I've, what I've seen is, we find ourselves struggling with, well, how, how do I walk this out? How do I, what do I do with these thoughts that I still have? What do I do with these um, uh, sinful desires or things that I still struggle with? What do we do with these things now? And this is, this is real questions. This is what we need to ask. This is, this is good stuff. And so I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I want to get to that, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Um, Let's see. All right, Ephesians 4.24 says, We put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So you were created to be like God. In the very beginning, the whole Adam and Eve, you were created to be like God, not the cleft of his chin or the way his nose looks and two ears and that kind of thing. You were created to be like him, to walk with him in the cool of the night. We were created to be like God in character. The covenant was broken. Jesus reinstated it. So now it hasn't just been placed in a new place. It was placed back the way it is so that heaven heaven can can be, and I don't want to get into this because I want to, I want to talk about this next week, but heaven can be, we're the temple now, so heaven is like in us. <laughs> and so wherever we are, we are bringing heaven around us, right? So there's not this this distance that we're striving to get somewhere that we're not. We're realizing where we are and so we can share it with other people. So there's a, there's a mindset change. We realize our source is here. And the Holy Spirit is within us, and we don't have to wait for a, a prayer to get back. That we can have communion all the time with the Holy Spirit. It changes our perspective on things. This is why the Bible says, and, and this is the, the whole sin—the the sin that we think about. This is why our bodies aren't—I comp- mean, our our bodies aren't going to go with us into heaven. It says we'll have new bodies, right? We'll have new bodies when we go to heaven, but we don't have a new spirit. Why is that? Because something's already happened. Something's already happened in you. If you've if you've made this transaction, if if Jesus has become fully sin, then we haven't become halfway righteous. If Jesus took our sin, and I, th- I believe he did, then we take his righteousness. He completed his part. Now our part is complete. And so now when we do die one day, we don't just die. We just change zip codes. <laughs> we get a brand new body, which I need already. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a brand new body, but our spirit just continues on, right? Right? The spirit something had. we wouldn't be able to go there if something hadn't already happened. There's not this is this is that was already done. And and it, it is difficult. I'm not saying this is an easy thing to work out. This can be difficult to work out sometimes because we're still we're still processing through this and our mind's still being renewed to it. Um second Second Peter one three says, His divine power now we're gonna break this down. Second Peter one three <coughs> says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, through what? His promises of what? His divine power. Okay? We getting this? Through these, divine power given to Him by His promises, not us. Through these, He has given us very precious, these very precious promises that through them, you may participate in what? The divine nature. Woo! We get to participate, participate? We get to participate in the divine nature. God! Having escaped, past tense, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Here is the, here is the, the struggle, here is the I, guess you, I don't know if you want to call it paradox or dichotomy, is the we are still on earth. That How can God love us even though we still have these thoughts or we have these different things going on? And this is the key right here, is because we've accepted a deal that was done 2,000 years ago. And we have been radically transformed from that all the way to now. Because when he died, he died for past, present, and future sins. So when we accept that, we're accepting a covenant that's already been established. So it's like we're... We, in essence, um, in, in the Spirit, have been taken outside of time and space like God is all the time. So we're given a heavenly perspective. I'm trying not to make too big of a leap because this can kind of mess with our heads a little bit. But We have given a divine perspective that says, he's saying right here, that we can participate in this divine nature now. So if we participate in the divine nature, now we are, we are who he says we are. So we're new creations in him. And the only struggle we have is renewing our minds to what the Holy Spirit is actually nagging us on, and that's righteousness. So when we, we talked about last week that God took out a heart of stone and he gave us a new heart, if he took out a heart that the Bible says is deceitful and wicked, right, do you, th- okay, do you think that God would give us a new heart that had deceit and wickedness in it? I mean, this is just real basic logic. Do you think he would give us a heart that still would have those tendencies to try to draw us towards those? Would God do that? That doesn't make any sense. It's illogical if he really loves us, and I believe that he does. So if he takes away this heart of, of, of unrighteousness, of, of deceit and wickedness, and he gives us a new heart, then now what the Holy Spirit does is, and the, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit convicts uh, the lost world, the ones that don't know Christ, not just of sins, but of unbelief, because he's the only way that they can get out of their sins. So he convicts the, the, the lost and unrighteousness of unbelief in him. Now, I say that because there's a lot, there's a lot of times we would say, well, no, the Holy Spirit's going to convict the lost of sins. Now, he will, but why, why do we focus on the negative part and on the problem and not the solution? Because the Bible says that he will convict them of, righteous, of not righteousness, of unbelief because he's the only way that they can get out of this sin place. So he convicts them of, of unbelief so that they can get out of the sin and he convicts the believer of righteousness because we have a new heart. So as we walk and we, we see things either, either that we react to as far as people and personalities or um, that, that we are tempted by and instead of reacting to the things that we see with our senses, we draw from the source that we have in our heart. This is important because if we don't know that, if we think that God's distant and we still have deceitful and wicked hearts, then we're never going to know who we are and we're going to be we're going to wishy-washy like waves just ebbing, just not knowing what we're doing. We'll be like looking in the mirror and not recognizing who's there. Well, we can walk away and we, do, we forget who we are. But the Holy Spirit reminds us of who you really are because it's who you were created to be. It, it is... It is a reinstated relationship with God. It's like we're walking around in Eden every day. We're, we're, we're little Christ. That's what Christian means. We're little Christs walking around sharing heaven. <laughs> it's exactly what he did. So it goes on in 2 Peter, this is verse 5. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to add, remember this word, this is not our source, But make every effort to add to your faith, the source, what we're going to add to that is goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. Mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities, qualities, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being infected. Infected? Can't talk sometimes. Ineffective. (laughs) Keep you from being infected. Flu season's got me messed up. Will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Do you see the shift there? He's adding these things to our right. He's he's renewing our mind to these things. Use your gifts. We all have different gifts. Use your gifts. Encourage one another. Teach one another. We teach each other. We want to gain knowledge. I don't. I don't negate or neglect any of these things but these aren't our source. These are things we add to our source. These are all beneficial things to us. When my kids ask me or even other people that I've talked to even recently have asked me about basic life things like work and how to to talk to customers or how to deal with this situation I can give practical advice without getting too deep into scripture or trying to give them some great revelation or anything like that, right? Can we all do that? These are all good things. Add these things to these are all very good things to do. But we, those things in and of themselves are not our source. Does that make sense? All right. All of these things, all of our gifts are under the umbrella of love. The reason Paul talks about, listen, I hope you guys all speak in tongues more than I ever spoke in tongues. But if you don't love people, you're like a resounding gong. You're like a, what were we saying today? It's not records, eight tracks, cassettes, CDs. MP3, corrupt MP3. <laughs> Is that where, where are we? Is that where we are? A bad Wi-Fi signal, buffering. You'll be buffering. If these things aren't, uh, <laughs> I'm not a super cool pastor, but I'm just, something that we can relate to. You're, whatever we do, if we don't use our gifts under the umbrella of love, we're, it's pointless. If we're, if we're just, if we're doing it for either pride or um, because we think that it's going to gain us merit with people or God, then you're like a resounding gong. You're like a, hey, that sounds like a resounding gong. Perfect (laughs) timing. Tell them thank you. That was incredible. You're like a resounding gong. Bing. The the reason why I think this is is because if you're doing it outside of love, you're doing it outside of the power of God because he's where we get our love from. So if if you were using your gifts for anything other, this is why I think he says, uh, I don't remember the exact scripture. I just thought about it. But um, when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. He's like, hey, we did all these things, we cast out demons. No, you need to know me or you can't really do any of these things. You might have done some stuff. Some stuff might have happened. You might have seen it with your senses. But I didn't know you. I wasn't, I wasn't there with you. I'm not inside you. I need to be there. <laughs> this, is, this is real. So that's why I think he says this, look, I need to, I, you can't do these things outside of my power. You can do some things. And you may be able to see them and hear them. They may may manifest themselves in our reality, but they're not not from God and they're not hearing from Him because He's the only one that can give those things. That's why it's not just an umbrella of love, because I've always said that, under the umbrella of love. It's actually the source of love. So if if you're not drawing these gifts from that place for for other peoples, peoples, (laughs) I'm on today, for other peoples, why? Because this is the definition of love. It, It desires only the good of the one loved, it is a consuming passion for the well-being of others. That's agape love. It's a consuming passion for the well-being of others. Who perfectly demonstrated that? Jesus. Doesn't this make sense? So if if he did that and if he's given us that, then that's that's our new reality. That's our that's our new identity. Done deal. Um Let's see, I want to get into First John, and then we'll, Hello, oh, I'm doing good. We may actually have time to discuss a little bit. First John, I was telling Brian this morning, I was like, man, I remember when I first started doing this, it was about three years ago, and I used to stress out every Sunday, like, I hope I have enough material, I hope I have enough material, I don't want to run out of time and be embarrassed that I didn't have enough material, and now it's like, I always have too much. I want to, I want to talk more. Um, first John 3.21 is where we're going to start, and I don't know where we'll finish, but we'll see. 1 John 3.21 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. And this we I think I talked about it briefly last week. Anytime we hear commands, our minds usually go back to either the Ten Commandments or the 613 Jewish laws. But He's about to tell us what His commands are. So He says, If our hearts do not condemn us, and they don't because they're our new hearts. They don't condemn us. They, they convict us of righteousness. We have confidence before God. How can you have confidence before God if you're not fully forgiven, if you're not fully righteous? Because we do, because we are. Verse 22, and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Verse 23, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Man, this is the reality that we find ourselves in with this complete unmerited, unearned grace. We find ourselves in a position to where he has given us everything we need that pertains to godliness. (laughs) Not a little bit. Not in portions. Not gradually. He's given us everything we need. This is why I think He says, "Seek My kingdom first, and I'll give you all these other things. We'll take care of." Because I'll give you everything. I, I, or He also says, "I need. I know your need before you even ask. Why? Because He's our need. <laughs> I know what you need before you even pray about it. Because I know you need Me, and I I supply you with everything you need. If it's clothes, I can take care of that. I'm God." How can he take care of it? He can take care of it supernaturally. He can, because he's God, he can do whatever he wants. He can use someone else to come into your path and bless them by blessing you with clothes or food. This is, we, we talk about our, our budget and, and benevolence and the things that we do. This is why we exist as a church is to help people. Now we want to be wise with that and we want to help people the best way that we can in a way that doesn't, you know, just crumble the structure of our church basically or, or make us, you know, we want to be wise with it but at the same time, we want to help people we want to love people individually and corporately as a body of believers. That's what we do. Not just because it's what we're supposed to do, but it's who we're created to be and it's, it's, it's what our Holy Spirit prompts us to do. He goes on to say, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are from God, to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the most basic thing you could ever imagine. People want to talk about well, who the Antichrist is, and he goes on to talk about. It. I don't know if we'll get to it. Who's the Antichrist? Who's the Antichrist? Well, the spirit of the Antichrist has been around for a long time. The spirit of the Antichrist just says that Christ did not come, die, and be re- and wasn't was resurrected. They just they deny that. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. You can witch hunt all you want, but in essence, that's all it is: is saying that that, that Jesus isn't enough. The interesting thing is that's not just you know bad looking people that are out to hurt you that can come from people that are still trying to I want to have to say this without sounding too crazy This can come from churches some churches could could lead you into thinking that it's it's Jesus plus something else I want to handle that delicately because I don't think that, that there's any ill intent in most, in most uh, churches and, and religions. But if, if we add or take anything away from Christ, I believe we step into heresy. I, just, I mean, I, I don't know any other way around it. There's too, there's, too much, <laughs> there's too much in here from the beginning to end pointing to Christ for me to say that there's anything that I can add or take away from what He did. It's just too much. And living out my life I've found it in, personal, in my personal life that I can't. I can't add or take away from what he did. I've tried. <laughs> I don't know, many of you may have tried. I've tried to do better or sometimes even do worse. I've tried to pull out and look at things objectively, right? Have you ever been in a debate with, like, I've been in debates with atheists and other people, and I've said, okay, maybe I've been brainwashed. Like, seriously, I did this several years. This has been, we weren't even going to this church when this happened. I was, I'd gotten deep reading some C.S. Lewis, and he was blowing my mind on some stuff. And I was talking to an atheist friend of mine, and he was making some good points, but at the same time, I was trying to look from his perspective because I didn't want to just write him off that I was right and he was wrong, right? And so I began to say, okay, well, what if what if I'm wrong? Let me try to look at that from that perspective. What if I'm wrong and I've been, maybe I was in like a hurting place or uh, I, needed, I needed something and maybe I've been brainwashed by the church or something. Maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't real. So I, I had a, and I've told many of you this before, so I tried to pull back. Whoa! So I tried to pull back um, <laughs> and try to look at thing, things objectively, and it was miserable. It didn't work because I couldn't. I couldn't escape God. I couldn't escape the Holy Spirit. I, I, I tried, and I couldn't. <laughs> I didn't go do a bunch of bad things. I just tried to to not believe, I guess. I, I tried, to, tried to not be a Christian, and I, I couldn't. And I'm being, real. I'm being as real as I can be. Like, I tried to like, look at things from a different perspective and I couldn't anymore because now I'm a new creation. I tried to look at things from a dead person's perspective and I was alive, essentially. We can't go backwards. We can't go forwards without Him. We can't go backwards. It's all about Jesus, all of it. <laughs> I mean, every bit of it. So, now... This is where I kind of wanted to get to with the sin thing. We all still are tempted, right? Is anybody any is anybody in here not tempted at all? Anybody? Good. I am too. Here's what I think it is. I think that we 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 still live in this world, we still have flesh, the Bible's clear about that. We still have this body, the body that we'll get a new one when we get when we when we do die physically and go to heaven. I'm thankful for that many different, for many different reasons. But we're still in this body. And what I think it is, our mind is constantly being renewed to this. And we have to, we have to look outside of just our senses to hear from the Holy Spirit. Not to say you can't see manifestations of it. but We have to look in the spirit, not just in the physical. We have to look in the spirit. Here's why. Have, have any of you had an allergic reaction to something? Like eating something that you're allergic to? you begin to have an allergic reaction. Anybody? Yeah. I have one time, it was with medicine, but some people have it with foods. What happens is you you take a bite of the food and your your my hands would get itchy and the face would begin to turn red and your throat starts to swell up, right? Has anybody experienced that? And it's scary. Your body rejects it. This is what I think sin is for us. It's tempting. It's like a fruit or something that looks good and seems like it tastes good. And then when we taste it, it's poison to us. It's not good for us. It's, it's outside of what our nature now is, our new nature. And so it's it doesn't taste the same. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't feel the same. So our senses react to our new source. Does that make sense? It's not a don't do this so that you'll have this source. Don't, don't do this so that God will be here. It's God's here, so now everything that we take that's not of him is like poison to us. It's like, it's like we're having an allergic reaction to it. It's the same thing that they got tricked into the in the Garden of Eden. It looked good. They thought, it would, well, it must taste good. And they were tricked. And Eve was tricked because Adam didn't tell her that she was already like God. And so they were tricked into something that they didn't need to be eating anyway. So we're the same way. We're new creations in Christ. We're with him. And the only thing that draws us away is something fake. I always say that sin overpromises and underdelivers. delivers That's all it ever did for me. It overpromised and under-delivered every, every time. And i I tried lots of it in my day. I tried lots of it. Lots of different ways, lots of different opportunities to try to be alive in death, and I could never do it on my own. I tried to be something that I wasn't. Why would God bring us into a new life and tell us to be fake? It's illogical. Why would he say, here you go, try real hard to be something that you're not? I don't believe he did. I believe he said... I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to remind you of who you actually are, who you've been created to be. And this, this, the only thing the Holy Spirit's nagging us is, is of righteousness. Now, the only thing the Holy Spirit is is leading us into, is into holiness. Now, that means it's away from unholiness, by default. <laughs> I only say that because I want to tell you the solution. I don't want to just talk about the problems. And I think that we need to share the solution with other people. It's like casting seeds. Cast the seeds out. You're not going to make them grow. Only God can make them grow. We do have a job as Christians, and it's to cast those seeds. It's to spread the good news that there is a solution, that there is life. And there is life after death, but there's also life now. <laughs> there's eternal life now. And our job as as believers in Christ and as his operating His <laughs> Uh, divine nature operating within His divine nature. Now, we now draw from something greater than us, and can, can now love in a different way that we could never love before. And we can now throw out seeds that will actually produce something outside of our own ability, because now we have something that we actually have to give. Before we could only give what we could un- understand, which was conditional love. We were limited. We were limited by what we could do before, because we were we were. Like Brian said, we were zombies. We were walking dead people. Trying to give people life from a from a place of death. Can't do that. We couldn't give it to ourselves. We couldn't feed ourselves. Now we draw from real life and we give real life. Not just when you die and go to heaven. <laughs> because now heaven's in our hearts. It's planted like a seed. It permeates like, like uh, uh, yeast. It just begins to spread. The whole mustard seed thing, we talk about Quality, not quantity. Cast them out; they grow on their own. God, God begins to grow them. So it says, they the tiny seed grows so big that birds begin to rest on it. All right. Last thing. First Peter two twenty four says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been made heal. You're you are really righteous. And your new heart wants you to know it right now. He fully bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. That's it. Now we live for righteousness. This is life. This is, this is breathing. This is living. This is work. This is grocery store, church. This is all the time. We live from a place of righteousness and we draw from that source. What do you guys think? We have like 10 minutes. you have anything to add? Nothing. Come on, Brian. You got something. Hey, like Brian's thinking of something.
1: Well, um, going back to your passage in 2 Peter, I wrote this at the top of all bag. It says that the church has been begging people to, re- to reveal good works instead of revealing Christ in people. And uh, going through with all of the good works that we see in Sega Peter, I mean, everything, every bit of that is a fruit of the Spirit. And the only way how you're going to see good works in your life is is knowing who you are in Christ, and everything comes from a position of you being righteous already, not in a position of not in a position <coughs> of you trying to be, to become righteous. So, again, you know, with 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 me growing up in church, you know, the, the main goal of my life was to be good, you know. But you know who, who, who else preached be good? E.T., you know. <laughs> the, goal, the goal of the Christian life is not to be good. I mean, if, if, if that was the case, you wouldn't really even need Jesus. Right. The, the lost world has better resources for good behavior than what, than what Christianity has, you know. It's true so again like you know um, you know it's it's all about Jesus it has yeah. to be it's not it's not about Jesus for salvation and then you trying to become righteous after Jesus saved you
0: it's about knowing who Christ is and you know it's about knowing who you are in Christ well the, the fruits of the spirit too like you just said we always say you have to know that you have something before you can give it away yeah you have to have unconditional love before you can give it away so the fruits of the, the, the fruits of the spirit come from that place inside you, come from Christ in us. That's the only place they can come from.
1: Well, and also, you know, with a lot of the behavior style of preaching, you know, a lot of the stuff is them, you know, jumping in with with the assumption that you want to go out and sin. Right. You know, and over time with you hearing that, you know, you start to actually believe that, you know, you actually want to sin. But the message of the gospel is, you're, you are a new creation, and you do not want to sin. Right. So we shouldn't be preaching to people who are lost. We're preaching to, to people who are saved. You know, we are new creations. <laughs> yeah. We don't. We we do not want to go out and sin. Right. It, it goes against our nature whenever we sin. So.
0: Yes, yeah, the same way. You need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. I must not want to read my Bible. They keep telling me to read my Bible. Why do they need to keep telling? Me? Why would someone need to keep telling me that, if this is something that I know is going to benefit me? Think about that for a minute. If this is something that I know is going to be good for me, why do I need someone else to continue to tell me to do it? And naturally we'll go, well, maybe I don't want to do it the <laughs> same way you're talking. Maybe, maybe, I do, maybe I do want to. They keep telling me not to do this. Maybe I do want to do it. It rises up in us like maybe I do need to do this. Maybe this is beneficial to me. Yeah.
2: You made a point, and I think it's interesting that it parallels Peter's life. One of my favorite things about Peter is we get to see him from I will make you fishers to men to writing second peter we get we get to the privilege of watching his whole life yeah. and one of the things that happened you talk about with the holy spirit and 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 you were saying of you know, people who you, know, you were trying not to say that the antichrist is in the church but <laughs> but listen to what jesus said i have to go to jerusalem to be crucified he's when did he say that right after peter who just who wrote that book years later said you are, the, you are the Christ. How do you know that? Through the Holy Spirit, you're blessed. But don't go to Jerusalem to get crucified. And Jesus responded, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Satan tempts us not through our enemies, but by those who love us and want the best for us because the love, and this also goes back to where he was going in, it, it goes all the way around. This is why I love Peter. There's a... There's a progress that you see add to, add to your faith, perseverance, knowledge. Uh, the failio love, the what uh, your translation said, mutual love, brotherly love. When Jesus asked Peter, "Do you love me?" He said, "Do you agape me?" And Peter responded. Lord, you know I failio you. So in our English, it says, "Lord, you know I love you," but he's saying, "I'm I'm being honest with you, Lord. I can't lie to you. You are God, and I don't have that unconditional love for you." And then in the last time, Jesus said, "Do you failio me?" He asked him twice, "Do you got me?" So then Jesus said, "Okay, I'm going to meet you where you are." Now, you take that story back to Second Peter. First, we have faith, then knowledge, self-control, perseverance, brotherly love, mutual love, and finally agape. And and part of what goes on is we've got we got maturity levels of all of all Christians in the in the church. And so, yeah, when someone first gets saved, they're not used to living the Christian life. And so you've got to have someone. Okay, yeah, you you probably do need to start reading your Bible, yeah, because that's a good thing. Not because th- not because that's going to make God happier at right. you, but you, you it's a good idea. The same way you teach a kid to flush a john, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know they they have to learn because they don't know, right? But that's not what you tell a forty five year old. <laughs> yeah, and 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 so we're we're at different levels of maturity, and what I love about this this verse in in second peter is he walks us through the entire maturation process and part of what we're learning is as we mature we have different we have different points and we need to be uh paul talks about this as we're we're sensitive to people you know people of weaker faith well that doesn't i mean if someone's two that doesn't mean they're a bad person that means they're two years old right (laughs) and a two-year-old doesn't act like a 40-year-old. Now 40-year-olds sometimes act like 2-year-olds. But, <laughs> but but most of the time when Paul's talking, you know, the weaker brothers, the younger brothers, we have a a call to maturity. And that's what I love about this is 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 we are called to our levels of maturity that doesn't mean we are better, it means that we are more experienced. Right? And
0: the the agape love, the real love that God gives us, allows us to be patient with the forty-year-old that acts like a two-year-old. <laughs> I mean, it does it, because because outside of that, we couldn't do it. We'd we'd lose we'd lose our tempers, or we'd lose our patience, and so I think I think that if we don't the same way, if we don't draw from from that place, I mean, I can't do it on my own. I, I would I would fail, and so if I don't know that I have this. This incredible new heart that he's given me this this new source that I can draw from then I would only be able to base that on my either knowledge or my experience um, which are incredibly bad no I'm just kidding
2: <laughs> but I'm just saying I would only
0: I could only base it from my experience up to this point in my life from birth to now or my knowledge that I've learned or, or whatever it is I could only base it on those two things I would not be depending on something supernatural and I believe that that's the greatest miracle that's ever happened is that we can partake in this divine nature so I think that that if I didn't have that and I think it's why the Lord shows me things before I even read it sometimes and I read it and go oh that's what you meant (laughs) I think it's honestly just for me personally I think that it's it's in that same way that God's been patient with me in his agape love that I've been able to trust in him and see things that I wouldn't have normally seen or learn things that I wouldn't normally learn only because I trust him does that make sense because I think that I'm, I'm, I, I know that I'm not the most educated person in this room and I've not had the experiences that everyone else has had in this room or, or anywhere else. We're all different. But what I've, I've learned within the, the amount of time since I've, I've come to know the Lord is the more that I trust him and the less that I try to, try to do things separately. From, I know this is really basic, but maybe this will help somebody. The more that I've trusted him, genuinely trusted him, and, and the less that I have tried to do things on my own without him, the more he has not just blessed me, but giving me, given me things that I, I don't deserve, that I don't know. Um, he's, he's helped me operate outside of my own abilities. Uh, he's probably kept me married and you know kept me being a good father and good pastor, but only because of that trust, genuinely because of that trust. So, anyway, for, for whatever that's worth, maybe that'll help somebody.
1: Yeah. Um, I have one more thing. Sorry about that. But, <laughs> okay, uh, go ahead. You kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, why, I mean, why, why are we hearing so much uh, double talk when it comes to, you know, us being a uh, new creation? You know, it's like, you know, you're saved, but you're still a sinner. You're a saint. You're righteous, but, you know, you're still kind of dirty still. And I think one of the things is, I think it's because we're, we are still tempted and we try to we try to explain why we are still tempted by le- by lessening the fact that we are a new creation. But you know, whenever Jesus was on was on planet Earth, I don't I don't think Jesus had a a uh, a wicked heart. You know, I don't, I mean, I believe for a fact that Jesus was pure. I mean, he was he was completely righteous, completely holy. Everything was right about him. But there's a passage just, in in Hebrews that says that. He was tempted in all the ways how we are, but yet but yet without sin. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, it's the same thing with us. We can still be tempted, but it doesn't change the fact that we are a new creation. You right. know, we are like Christ at the core. So again, you know, we don't we don't have to try to explain the fact that we are tempted by trying to lessen the
0: fact that we are a new creation.
1: It's, you know, it doesn't change anything. It's
0: like that's really good. It's like it's like coming face first with a temptation and you have a choice of either backing up and going, oh no, I, you know, I, I still have this old nature in me, or going right at it saying, no, I'm a new creation in Christ. You see the difference? How, how have we got this mixed up we, where we get intimidated by temptation and sin and we begin to revert back to an old nature that's not there anymore? I, when you were saying that, I saw it like played out in my head like a picture. When, we, when we're when when temptation hits us right in the face it's usually where it hits us right in the face when we when we run into it a lot of times we react and we go okay I, I almost like we want to run away from it we look at at okay well this is my old nature coming back this is me this is who i really am is beginning to rise up in me and now i'm afraid that i'm going to fail right instead of hit, us hitting in the face we see the temptation we feel the pull whatever it is and we go I think is much more beneficial saying, no, I'm a new creation. This is the Holy Spirit saying, no, you're a new creation in Christ. You don't need to, you have much better things going on than this right here. Do you see the difference? It's a, it's a, uh, a confronting and a, a forward moving, not a reverting back to something that's not even there. I don't know.
3: Yes. I'm reminded of um, Romans 10. That says that if you confess and believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, the issue, is, the issue is what you believe. What, yeah. what, is it, what are you convinced of in your heart? We not only believe that he's the Christ the and raised from the dead, we, in who he is, but there's a belief of who he's made us. Right. Um, you know, so I, I believe that, that he's the Messiah. I believe I'm a son. And that we continue <laughs> to talk about the identity that we have here. I believe that I'm a son. And, uh, and, and the confession is not just like, put your hand on the Bible, I solemnly swear. I believe this thing, it's not, it's not ceremonial, it's conviction that you, that you verbalize. You right. know what, I'm a son. Yeah. The, the convincing of it. And that's what the, conviction is. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of. You know, that word conviction sounds, sounds like a, a sentence or a sentence. I know. Guilt, but it's, the, we are convinced of. Right.
4: To kind of go with that, with the whole um, temptation thing, fear and temptation are just, our own like warped senses of reality—they're not actually. Real. Like if you look up the definition of fear, it's the anticipation right. that something bad might happen. It's not even that something bad will happen; it's just the anticipation of it. You yeah. don't really know how it's going to play out. And it's like with temptation—it's—it's it's kind of—it's like it's all in your head. Right. It doesn't really have. If you don't give it power over you, then it doesn't have power. Especially since we already have the greatest power source in the universe, so we kind of have an unfair advantage anyway.
0: But right. <laughs> We do. Yeah. I mean, we do.
4: And one of my, my favorite examples for, for fear and temptation is someone told me like if you have the lights off and you hear like a roaring in the room, you could believe that you're in like a lion's den or something. Then you turn on the light and it's just a mouse with a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's all when I'm you of the mouse with the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> When we open our eyes it. to what reality is, especially right. when we have when we have Jesus We don't have that need for fear and we don't have to dread temptation because we know that it's not going to influence who we are and the power that we already have.
0: Most, I think most of fear too, that's very good. Most of fear too is a false figment of our own control because the sooner we realize that we're not in control, the sooner we can submit to someone who is in control, not someone Christ who is in control. Because this is this was always flying was always a fear for me. I was always scared to fly because I thought it would crash. I mean, it's flying. I know mechanical things break, and it's not going to stay up there without it. So I always had this thing, and it was a control thing. I, I felt like I was in control, when I finally discovered that I'm not in control. I mean, I could, I mean, I could drop dead right now from something. I mean, there's so so many random things. But when you when you realize when you really come to terms, uh, with who's really in control, then you can rest a little bit and you can relax and you go okay. I know. Not only do not only do I know that I'm not in control. I know who is in control, <laughs> and so now I can operate from that place, and I can breathe, and I'm not stressed out about the things that I see laterally because I'm connected to to Him right here. So, anyway, yes, we have one more. Oh, he's he's trying to give it to you. Okay, well, y'all stand up with me. I, it's it's kind of raining, but we're gonna pray and get out of here. It's kind of raining. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be intimidated by the rain. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's raining. All right. Well, we can hang we'll, Y'all hang out as long as you want. Father, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your reality that we can, we can tap into. Father, even though we live in, in this, this natural realm and we still have all of our senses, um, our natural senses, Father, you've given us a, a, a sixth sense. You've given us this Holy Spirit that, that actually shows us things that we couldn't see and, and demonstrates Your love in us and through us that we can now operate from. Um, and so we're not we're not struggling and striving to be something that we're not. We are we are learning how to rest in some in, in who You've created us to be. So Lord, uh, help us to renew our minds to that reality. Um, Help us to see your truth in our lives above our very own. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.